Hello and welcome to Raiders Review with Blake and the Pork. I am the Pork. I'm Blake. And this is the third most popular Raiders podcast coming to you from a secret storeroom somewhere in Civic, the location of which we will never reveal, will we, Blake? No. Yeah, and we also come to you with the qualified support, very qualified support of the Greenhouse, the Raiders' number one fan site. Get on it and engage with the other supporters. You know you want to. So, first thing, before we get into any sort of uh, talk about football, Blake, there's been some big news for the Canberra Raiders board this week. Uh, new appointment. It is a new appointment. Do you want to tell us all about it? I was hoping you would, because I actually don't know the person, but you do. I do, in fact, know Katrina Fanny. has been appointed to the board. She was actually my boss for a, a while. She's an absolutely superb human, um, loves her rugby league, but she does have a dirty secret. Blake, do you know what that dirty <laughs> no. secret is, Blake? No idea. She's a Rabideau <laughs> supporter. <laughs> are, yeah. you, are you supposed to be putting this out there? No, I'm not sure I am, but Fano, I know you're out there listening. Um, we love you, but as I said to you and my message of congratulations, it's a different sort of green now that you're going to have to support. You've got to take away that myrtle. And yeah. you just got to get to the lime green instead of the, uh, yeah, into the other. But uh, welcome on board. Um, you're going to be great for the club. I know it. Um, congratulations on the role. Um, and just keep supporting uh, Raiders Review with Blake and the Port because I know you're one of the people who makes us the third most popular Raiders podcast on the, well, we're not on the airwaves. What would you call us? On the interwebs. On the interwebs. On yeah. the interwebs, which is just fantastic. Uh, now, but let's get to football. Um, a good win, Blake? It was a very good win. Very good win. And, um, Brings me to sort of the subject of that. You couldn't actually make the match, could you, Tim? No, no, I was unable to, to particularly make the match. I, I was watching the match at all points, uh, but, yeah, no, I was not able to make the, the game. Because in a person. previous episode, we discussed whether certain people, you know, maybe were the jinx or, or the mock. The mock. The mock. So um, in light of, of the, the recent um, performance... Mm. Perhaps you are the mock, Tim. It is. It has been suggested before that perhaps I am, in fact, the mock. Um, mind you, then someone else came up and said, it is the Canberra Raiders you support, so, you know, and you've been there for some of their wins. And I'm like, yes, I have been there for some of their wins. But I do want it noted that last year when they did the Golden Point win, um, I believe it was over Manly. I can't remember when we put yeah. the field goal over late. You'd already left, home. hadn't you? I was almost out the gate. Um, listening to the uh, listening to the thing when the field goal went over and I ran back, and I and I, and I ran back from uh, uh, the gate to actually see the end of that match. So it is possible, in fact, that I am in fact the mock. But that doesn't really stand up because I was there for every single home match in 2016, including the run of ten straight. I know. Who knows? <clears throat> yeah. No, I, I don't know. But it, it was look. It was a good win, but it was a scrappy win, was it not? But it's, you know, those, those are the sort of wins that really sort of unmark, you know, of a good side, mm. is, is being able to win, you know, win in sort of ugly circumstances. Mm. And I think, I think we did that. And, you know, in the, in the end, the scoreline flattered, um, flattered the Newcastle Knights. Because when you consider how many tries we had disallowed... Mm. Not quite sure why the first one to Sammy Williams was disallowed. I couldn't believe that. Was there any clarification on what that was actually for? Because from what I could see... He was onside, no runners whatsoever, or tacklers were obstructed whatsoever, and he cleanly grounded the I ball. I think it was what was the grounding was what they um, they called it a no try on. I just, but I, I haven't watched the replay of the game, and I only saw it at the ground. Hmm. And um, considering the fact that we have probably the smallest replay screen in the league, we do. sometimes it is hard to actually see that clearly on the replays at the ground. Hmm. But I, I actually thought that um, in last year's ACT budget, there was actually 
funds allocated to upgrade the screen. So I don't know when... when I, and I assumed... I would be surprised about that because, in fact, uh, the stadium itself, Bruce Stadium, as I still like to call it, um, is actually owned by the federal government and it's part of the property of the AIS itself. So it's a federal... So while the ACT government can contribute to it in yeah. some ways and has, it's actually not their stadium. Well, the ACT government leases the stadium they do. Off, off the... Um, Federal government, but the Fed still run it. Yeah, and and the thirty uh, percent increase in the parking cost going up from seven dollars to ten dollars mm. this season it was it was attributed that, that was required to cover the the higher cost the of, the cost of the state. Yes, because mm. that money goes to the ACT government. That parking money it doesn't go to the Raiders. The Raiders, in fact, were opposed to the increase. Mm. I bet they were. Yeah, yeah, because no, obviously it's, it's you know it's, it's not a great thing to arrive and be already. Ten dollars, ten dollars down in your pocket. Look, and and it makes me bring up once more, and I've raised this with the chief minister Andrew Barr, um, that basically the best spot we could have for a new stadium would be on City Hill. That's right, City Hill, sitting over the top of Civic, uh, right next to it, at the end of the uh, the new tram line, the light well, rail the, line. Well, the, the proposed spot is Civic Pool because yeah. that's that's an ACT government asset. Yeah, but City and that's Hill the whole is thing. Well. That's yeah, well. It's a bit of a weird sort of... No, it's not. It's right in the centre of town. It'd be a brilliant spot. Run the tram lines under it, run the roads underneath the whole thing, have it right in the guts of things. People come in and out, goes, breathe life back into the Civic for and after games, make the public transport easy. It makes sense. They own the land already. They don't have to buy it. They don't have to plough anything down. They don't have to they go have to flatten a hill. <laughs> no, only a, only a little bit. I mean, it's opportunity, people. It is opportunity. And, and it be an iconic spot for the ground as well you know you've got parliament house you've got the the ground itself it would make people know where they were when they were coming rather than to a, you know a, a paddock out in the middle of yeah god knows where that you have to get in your car too and then there's no atmosphere before yeah. and after games and obviously the stadium in the city is mm. the dream whether or not it needs to be on capitol hill capitol hill i, that's the spot I don't for really it. agree um, Civic pool site, I think, would be would be more than that. except there seems to be a pool there at the present moment yeah but they'd redo the pool that's nowhere near the, pool the tram line it's not that far from the tram line. No, it's not that far, but City Hill, it would literally be at the tram line. It makes sense. It makes sense, people. You all know it. You all know it. So vote with your feet. Get on to Andrew Barr and tell him. City we've Hill. Really, we've really sort of gone off topic now. And look, and here's the other thing about City Hill. It's a multifunction venue. So not only can sporting teams play there, but... Underage can... children can still go drink there as well. Yeah, well, that's that's great. Thanks have you done Have you done anything else at Civic Hill? The only time I ever went to City Hill was when I was probably about fifteen, and I told my parents I was going to the movies the in movies. Civic. And you went underage yeah, drinking. Yeah. No, no. The other thing could be it could be a venue for bands. For well, that's decent the, bands because it's right in the guts yeah. of town. Well, that's the whole idea. If they do the the new stadium, it'll be a covered stadium, and and you, you know. You could have big events for the whole region as well. Yeah, that's totally. And yeah. that's where it should be. It'd be a wonderful thing. Anyway, the, the, let's get back to the yes. football. Um, the ground, $10 to get into the ground. Not so crash hot. I don't like it. But it was a scrappy win, but there was a few things that were good to take out of it. Sammy Williams. Great. Did everything we were hoped that he would do. He did. Um, Played really well. His defence was good, which yeah. is, I know, what the coach was mostly concerned. He knew he'd bring stuff to the attack, but he was worried about... Um, Sammy's uh, defence, but Sammy really stepped up. He's clearly beefed up a lot, um, and his attack was certainly very good. Um, Kicked a field goal, which was nice. It was. It was not the prettiest looking field goal I've ever seen, but it was effective, crude yeah. effective. So that was good, and that sealed the game, which was very nice because it's nice to actually have the game sealed. So we don't have 80 seconds in which Penrith can score two tries and basically break all our hearts and destroy our season. I think we all remember that, and I think we need to keep that front of mind too that those things can happen. 
Both as it supporters was in my mind. Team. Yeah. It was in my mind. Both as supporters and as teams to actually say, don't go quiet, don't turn into a polo crowd, keep yelling your guts out, yeah. people, and get on the back of the ref. Um, because well, this is the thing, because there were, and I'm sure you're going to touch on this, there were a number of refereeing calls that we didn't like, mm. a lot to do with the ruck and the disallowed mm. tries and stuff. Yeah. At halftime, um, the Raiders were ahead, and yet the referees got a really big boo yeah. from the crowd as they're heading up the tunnels, which I always really enjoyed to see, because normally... Maybe when you're ahead, you kind of don't worry about that as much. It's usually yeah, only yeah. when you're behind oh, yeah. the scoreline you give the refs, but no, no. You rip into them. Yeah, but this is the thing, and and look, it, it's it's appropriate at this stage that uh, we look at things that grind my gears. You know what really grinds my gears? And do you know what grinds my gears, Blake? Do you know what grinds my tell gears? Tell us, tell us. Well, this year with uh, Graham Annesley back in charge of the refs instead of Tony Archer, there seems to have been no crackdown on people breaking the rules relentlessly. So as a as a result relentless holding down of players in the ruck and turtling them on their back and not letting them go for hours and hours is really back in vogue. So the Newcastle Knights were Greco-Roman in their defence. They were Greco-Roman. They were pinning players down. They were holding them as long as they can. There was no penalties for no, it. No, was, it was unchecked. It was ridiculous. The crowd was calling for it. Newcastle was able to reset their line and do all sorts of crap that was there. But what really grinds my gears about that, it wasn't just they stilted the attack or any possible attack from that, is they frustrated the Raiders. So, of course, Glasby's there and, you know, ex-Purple purple yeah. Horde member, so a wrestler, a wrestler par excellence, is holding down Joey relentlessly. And Joey, being Joey... Lashes out a little bit, say, get off me, you great big lump of meat, and maybe gives him a quick brush on the face with his elbow. Now, Joey had to take an early plea, get some carryover points, which would not have existed if those two pathetic referees had just done their damn jobs and sped up the ruck by giving away a few penalties and putting people in the bin when they're absolutely cheating their guts out. But they didn't, and now we've got carryover points. And do you know what, Blake? That grinds my gears. Yeah, I wasn't surprised to see... um that it was Glassby was the, the the one that got the cop the stray at forearm. Because, yeah, I would say um, when teams sign these Storm players, probably mm. one of the things they think is, great, this guy can mm. come in, he can show us all the wrestling holds, the techniques, the moves, and, mm. uh, yeah, they were definitely evident. He's definitely... Um, Passed on some of his knowledge to the Knights based on what we saw. Look, and he's also got a lot of acting skills to pass on to the Knights because didn't he play that love tap up for everything it was worth? Oh, my goodness gracious me. He was going to hospital and he might not have made it from the performance I did. And as soon as the penalty was blown, he was up and around. He was up <laughs> and around. As soon as he knew that Joey wasn't actually going to get sin being up, he got it. He was all fine. Well, yeah. that's that's the thing about the the, the, um, the new headbin rules mm. is that it, you shouldn't really want to make things look worse than they actually are because mm. then you can be told no you're going to have to go to the yeah. you, if you're you know it was like the Mitchell Moses one the other week where he was lying flat in his face and all of a sudden he bounced up well under the new headbin rules as soon as you sort of go limp or motionless or whatever mm. you've got to go off for an assessment mm. I think that's which good which didn't happen pity with Mitchell Moses I wish that had happened with him it would have been really really good uh, Chansey fantastic well oh, are we are we are we saying Chansey? Are we still I'm sure it's not Chansey? Chance. Because I've heard now probably four or five different pronunciations of his name, and the one I'm basing it on was in the trial match. I think it was was it the trial against the Bulldogs or Paramount? I can't remember. One of the games they had the live stream on the Raiders website, and for the first half, um, Jordan Rappiner was the co-commentator, mm -hmm. and he was saying Chance. Was he? So I thought yeah, if anyone a, should know, look, look. In all fairness. Uh, Jordan Rappiner is uh, is a Kiwi, so, yeah, so his enunciation is not so to be relied on. And upon. so is Chance. 
Yeah, yeah, but that doesn't mean we're going to go off and start speaking with that sort of like affectations, does it? Or does it? Okay, maybe it does. Okay, you're going to say chance. I'm going to say chancy because I prefer it. And yeah. if nothing else, I'm from the western suburbs, so I'm allowed to uh, choose however I say something like that. I thought he was good. I liked the fact that although his last line of defence isn't quite what I'd like yet, his ability to turn 16 different directions on a postage stamp I do like, and the second try he scored oh, awesome. was, was really good because there was a lot to do. There wasn't a whole lot of opportunities, but he made three players look stupid and pretty much went over untouched, which is the sort of thing that I really like. And the other thing I like about Chansey, or Chance, whatever you like, is when I was in the tunnel before the Storm game with my young son, um, who was going there to see all the Vikings and meet the King of the Vikings, as he calls him, um, all the players came back in from the warm-up and a number of the players actually stopped to uh, say good day to the boy and they were ones who, who knew me quite well, Sia Soliola and Josh Hodgson specifically. But Chardsy stopped and said, how are you doing? Shook his hand and gave him a pat on the back and I thought, good on you, son. Good no, he's, you. He's, he's amazing. He's, yeah. He was, you know, I thought definitely our best player against the Storm. Mm. And, you know, yeah. and um, he was close to being the, the best player against the Knights as well. Maybe just pipped by John Bateman, but he was right up there. And what an incredible signing to get, you know, oh, yeah. only a few weeks before the oh, season. Yeah. Presumably, you know, we haven't had to pay a whole lot to get him over. I'd say he's, he's a bit of a money ball signing. He's just someone who came over here looking for an opportunity. Mm. Uh, apparently, he's absolutely ripped in in the preseason. Mm. And he's, yeah, he's doing all the right things, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, no, and, I'm um, a fan. He's good value. Ricky, uh, in the press conference after the game against the Knights, said, you know, full credit to Andrew McFadden because obviously he had a relationship with yeah. him from his time at, um, at, the Warriors. at the Warriors and said, you know, he's bring him over. He's, you know, he's a good one. And I did note Cappy McFadden doing a lot of talking at the halftime um, to the Raiders when they first came in and doing the halftime talk. Cappy was doing a lot of the talk before Ricky then joined in on that. So okay. McFadden's really taking a fairly fairly big role. That's in, what I expected. The side. Yeah, I did too, but it was good to actually see it because when he left the club at that stage, there was a lot of players who really didn't like it because they had a lot of time for him and his methods. It's nice to see him back. It's nice to see that Ricky got him back to the club and, and beefed him up in, in that particular way. And and realistically, you know, were Ricky to step down in the next couple of years, Andrew McFadden would be the front runner. Blasphemer. Why, why would you want Ricky to go anywhere? He's not going anywhere. I mean, what's Wayne Bennett? He's 407 years old. He's still coaching. Why would you try and carry Ricky on? Wayne Bennett's got a much better, much better record than, than Ricky Stewart. Yeah, well, Wayne Bennett's also been at the Broncos, who have been devoid of any and concerns George. about salary caps or anything like that. He's had money that Ricky could only dream of and play a list well, that he can dream of. Ricky, Ricky was, was, was had a pretty good run at the Roosters as well, didn't he? Yeah, maybe. He had a pretty good setup there. He had a pretty good I'm roster. I'm not going to sit here and, and listen to you slagging not, off the coach. I'm not slagging off. I am not slagging off Ricky Stewart. I'm just saying that eventually, when he decides that he wants to change his role, mm. you know, and I'm not saying sack him, get rid of him. I'm not saying any of that. But at a certain point, maybe he will want to step up to a sort of more an upstairs position or however you want to call it. Mm. Um, we have already made replacement there in Andrew McFadden, so it's just good news all round. All right. No, yeah, I still don't appreciate that. Um, look, a question for you, though. Where's Emre Gula? I don't know. Where is he? Look, I, I really thought we'd be seeing more of him this season. I, and Where's and, Luke Bateman? Yeah, I know where Luke Bateman is. Um, Emre Gula, where is he? Um, I liked a lot of what I saw last year. And, and you can only say with Horsberg, who's got a bit of a, got a, bit of a fiery temper on yeah. the lad. 
he's got it, and he's going to have to control it. Um, and Hudson Young now coming up, you you got to say to yourself, he's been bumped because at the end of last year, came in, played well, he and he looked like he really was ready well. to step up. Uh, I want him to step up. Yeah, I, maybe he's, he's obviously been he's down, saved or something like that. Who knows? You know, most of these forwards will get a run at some stage during the season. Yeah, I look same I, for Jack Murchie. At some point, you know, you think they'll all, they'll all get a run. Yeah, look, and it's interesting to see Tavita Pangai Jr. getting a lot of uh, attention as a million-dollar player. Look, when he left the Raiders and he was in the in the under-20 squad, sides knew that when the Raiders are defending on their line, go to the spot where Tavita Pangai Jr. was and you will score a try because his defence on the line was ordinary. And there's been a few people, Gordon Tallis and Darren Lockyer, coming out this week basically saying, don't pay too much for this player. While his defence on the line's improved, gee... Gee, that's a big call for him to be a million dollar player. Yeah, definitely. Big call. Definitely. For him to be I mean, if you look at player. who the this that's the same reason why um Sean Johnson was let go by mm. Cronulla, because you know, a million dollar player is, is by the Warriors, sorry, yeah, yeah, went to Cronulla. Um a million dollar player is Jonathan Thurston, yeah. it's your Cameron Smith, Jason Talmalolo, Cooper Cronk. Yeah. The they the difference between their game makers, yeah. Yeah, and the difference between their their best game and their worst game mm. is ten percent. Yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah. Pangai Junior, it's a big yeah. Big oh, but I mean, whether the Broncos or the Roosters would pay that much money for him, I don't know. It's, that's more a case of where you know, really, a Bulldogs or someone like that, you know, should roll the dice. Maybe you roll the dice on the next big thing, which is what obviously what Newcastle did with Ponga, yeah, yeah. and you know, paid great off. Call. Great yeah, call, paid off, but really cool. But it's it's when you're down the bottom, you got to take those chances. But well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I look, I don't think that's the right call for them. I think the Broncos need to look at them. But I, you know what? I don't care about the Broncos. They don't bother me at all. But um, the wounded Cowboys, I do care about them. Talking about multi-million dollar players, Jason Tamalolo, he's out. And we saw the Cowboys in the second half concede 36 points against the Sharks at their own home ground. Um, I'm a bit worried that the Cowboys are going to be stinging. I know it's it's really you know it's the worst time to play a team, isn't it? Really, when the worst <laughs> they've time come to back from a, when know, they've been embarrassed, when they've been you know look at look at look at the football. look at the Bulldogs, you know how they turned around. Yeah. So it, it, rugby league is definitely you know a week to week proposition, and yet you you not it's not always the best thing to be playing a team. Yeah. When they've come off a big no, it's a not. big loss like that. But I think from what I've heard is Ricky's basically been into the team saying this mob's going to be hurting and you're going to go up there expecting like the hardest match you've probably gone and if you're going to get two points, we're going to get two points out of this. It has to be a dug in dirty effort. Um, and you know at the beginning of the season, dug in dirty efforts are just fine because those two points are golden towards the end. You really need to be running into your silky form at the end of the season. At the beginning of the the season, you just need to be getting the job done. We used to always struggle at Townsville, but we actually won there last year. So, yeah, and, and before that, the previous victory was in 2006 when Todd Carney Todd kicked a field, field goal. goal. But we should have won the time before when R- Rapina got that try disallowed yeah. for a forward pass that clearly bloody wasn't. It was wasn't. Round, round one. Yeah, round yeah it one. was a round one. Yeah. And it was like it clearly wasn't a forward pass. And that really set the tone for 2017, I thought, that match. I think we go into this game more confident um, yeah. you know, than we've been going up Townsville for a long, long time. Where do you see it being won? Same same place, I guess. Just the middle, you know. Mm. Just just the just the effort and the energy and like, um, we have made the decision this year to move to a much smaller pack. Mm. The flip side of that is um, the Cowboys have still got a very large pack, mm. and there's you know, if there's gaps to be exposed, it's in the middle mm. through the tiring forward. So mm. I think I think that you know, so far you look at you look at our decision with our pack, well, it's working out great, isn't it? Mm. 
Yeah, it is. And look, and that brings us to a new segment that we're just bringing in this uh, this this year, this week, and it's uh, called "Why We Love John Bateman." <laughs> I thought so this week, it's Blake, taken why us, do we it, love John, Bla- John Bateman this it's week? It's taken us twenty minutes of the podcast again to do this, and I thought this was pretty much the John Bateman love fest. It is the start, John Bateman love fest. Start on on minute one. Yeah, it should have. And it was going to run. Sorry, much John. You know we thing. love you. We know we love you. Biggest fans. There's. There's nothing not to love about this guy. He is incredible. He is the the, the best signing that we I, we've had. I would say since 2005. I haven't seen a player and who come was the in, signing in 2005. Well, I'll get to it. I haven't seen a player come in and have such a huge and immediate impact to the Raiders and the fortunes of the team mm. since 2005, when an old uh, Australian Test player, Jason Smith, yeah, came back from the UK. Yeah, Presum- well, presumably washed up, yeah. and so if we win today, if we sorry, if we win on um, Saturday, Saturday, we'll be three and one for the season, mm. which will be our best start since two thousand and five. Yeah, when Jason Smith led us to that great run at the start of the season before yeah. he got, unfortunately got injured and we he fell did. away. But we did fall away. Look, I'm going to call it bigger than that. You say he's the best signing since two thousand and five, and Jason Smith. I'm saying he's the best signing since nineteen eighty six in Mel Meninga. I'm saying he's the best, second best signing for our club of an established player after Mel Meninga. It's hard to argue. Well, I guess he's an international. He's, we don't have that many established signings, do we, really? Yeah, when you I, look, look at most of our signings, are on I think he's potential. on par with players that we've signed that weren't, you know, like established players when we signed them. So Josh Hodgson was obviously a yeah. huge signing. Ricky Stewart was a huge signing in 88. Um, you know, those, those are the other two big signings of players that I think we brought into the club, you know, not as juniors, but as, you know, yeah. players from elsewhere who are of the same calibre. But Bateman's right up there with them. I mean, obviously, you can go back to Ronnie Giddo and David Grant as well, and Chicka Ferguson would be other players who were brought in and made an impact. But John Bateman, you just sort of got this feeling that he's the best player on the paddock. And well, the, and he wants it more than anyone else on the paddock. And he's fast. Yeah. And it's not just that he's up for it and prepared to get smashed and he's not scared of anyone. He's giving lip. It's just when he gets through the gap, it's on. you know. And the other players around him know. See, one of the things I always loved about Brad Clyde, and I loved everything about Brad Clyde, I think everyone knows that, was that everyone knew when he was running with the ball at the line, you wanted to run through because there was every chance he was going to get those hands free. And if you're running past, you'd get that ball. People are starting to know that about Bateman. He's poking his head through line, and Joey, who sometimes can be asleep at the wheel, knows it and is following him. And Joey following through, grabbing that ball, is a very dangerous proposition for any side. All we need is Charnsy and, uh, and Jordan Rappiner and Nick Kotrick coming through on that, and yeah. we're going to start seeing points. Now, one of the things I was a bit... There was a bit of a downer last week. Um, Jack White in his kicking game. That second kick, <laughs> I almost caught it. Yeah, yeah, look, and, and I, I was I was sitting up near where the um, TAB used to be. Yeah, yeah. Which they've have, have you seen? Have you seen they got rid of the TAB? Yeah, I did see. I did. I went to uh, put a, a bet on there, which I would have lost, and um, yeah, it was not there. It's all due to some terrible um, sponsorship arrangement, apparently, with one of these new online oh. gambling things. Well, so we've 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 lost the TAB. Well, we have to support the club in their endeavours to get more. I'd money say it's probably the NRL. It's probably an NRL sponsorship, but anyway, is that right? Yeah. Well, well, I don't know about that, but look. Here's the thing. Bring back the TB. Here's the thing. On both those kicks out on the fall, which really did set up... Okay, the second one would have sailed 20 metres directly over Ricky Stewart's head. That was the worst kick out on the fall I've ever seen in my life. He (laughs) just hasn't quite got it yet. 
he's trying to do it. And we did see the pre in the round one when he was doing kicking, they were coming off. They weren't coming off on this. It's going to take Jack a bit of a while. And what we have to say is, Jack, keep bloody trying because when you get them right, they're brilliant. But having said that, how about you let Josh Hodgson do a little bit more of the kicking? Because he's Well, Sam Williams did, at the start of that match, didn't seem to do much kicking at all. He was doing the close the to the line kicking. Yeah. Whiten, I think, has the biggest boot, so he's going for the distance ones, and Hodgson is doing for the, the sneaky 40-20s and the early kicks, you know, coming out of dummy half to get them. Um, we need to back Jack, and so he actually has a go at those. We don't need to jeer him. We don't need to get on his back or be frustrated. <laughs> there, was, there, was, there was a good Bronx cheer when he, <laughs> when he kicked of, one later. Part of his evolution to a 5'8 <laughs> is learning how to boot the ball, and I do remember back in 1992, 1991, 90, I can't remember what year it was, when uh, 91, when um, a young man called Laurie Daly took over the sixth jersey after Chrissy O'Sullivan retired, watching him roost a few balls out on the full while he was learning how to do it. And you know what? Over time, he became very good at kicking. So we've got to get behind our Jack and say, Jack, keep trying because we need those kicks to do. And when he gets onto them, because he does have a prodigious roost, when he gets onto them, they're going to be game-changing. They're going to be game-changing. All right. Practice, practice, practice. Practice, practice, practice. So where do you see the risks against the uh, the the Cowboys this weekend, Blake? I guess it's the wounded Cowboys, really, isn't mm. it? You know, that's that's the main thing. And obviously, you know, you look at their team, Tamalale's out, which mm. is a massive, mm. massive mm. relief. But um, there's still plenty of game break. It's still a very good team on paper. Maybe the back line's, mm. the back line's spine is a bit weak. It is. It is a bit weak when you look at it, but be beware of side that is doing. You know, the back line... Look, Michael Morgan at seven is brilliant. Of course. Clifford's a kid, but he's got huge wraps on him at 5'8". Then you've got Ben Hampton, who came out of the Bronco system, who's a solid, solid player. Solid, but not spectacular. And, and he'll, but that's, he's out of the Bronco, uh, out of the storm, so he will be able to defend. Jordan Carhu. Well, he, got, he was... Didn't he... he was, Brought in to play fullback, and he's already been moved to the yeah, centres. I've and never now been particularly sold on Murray Martin. Um, Nino McDonald, however, on the wing, he's a good player, bloody brilliant. Yeah, he came player. out of the Dragons. He's really good. Javid Bowen is a big unit on the other wing. Um, <clears throat> he's a good player. Tamare Martin is rocks and diamonds. Yep. Yeah, he's either bloody brilliant or he's he's pretty ordinary. On the bench, we have got John Asiata, we got Jensen, uh, Dunn, and Molo. Um, you will notice, of course, that O'Neill, Justin O'Neill, is languishing in the extended bench, which yeah. is probably just about right. It's been a pretty big descent from him from State of Origin down to the extended bench. Yeah. But, look, the pack is where Granville has come back in some form at hooker. Matt Scott is 765 years old, but he's still a very good player, and we'll put in everything. Jordan McLean is a top class, yeah. the boy from Young, a top class front rower and needs to be respected. Cohen Hess, Ivan Drago, is an absolute <laughs> unit. Maybe he's been on the horse meat as well, that guy. No. Of course he bloody hasn't. Mexican supplements. No. no you can't be going off and making the even jokes, which is clearly he's making a joke. He's not making an allegation, people. Um, Gavin Cooper is also 703 years old, but is a wily character. And then you've got Josh Maguire, the ex-Bronco, is obviously a very good player. And, and a complete tool. Yeah, perhaps. But it, it, that's a good pack. And they're up against Dynamis Dan- Louie. Josh Hodgson, obviously. If there's one player brilliant. I would like to see Bateman go after and get stuck into, Josh Maguire. Oh, I think hopefully he'll be smart enough not to do it because I think Maguire plays well when he's pissed off. So, uh, Josh Papali's in some great form. Um, yeah, Whitehead, very good. You never have, you can go to the bank on Elliot Whitehead and his performances. Every week he gives it. John Bateman again at uh, second row, but spent a lot of time at lock. Um, what do you think of Ryan Sutton at lock? All right. I don't know. Not, nothing special. Made his tackles. Yeah, got around the ground all right, so that's looking good. 
Um, Sammy Williams again at halfback. Uh, Jack Whiten at 5'8". Lalua and Croker in the centres with Kotrick and Rapiner outside of them. Uh, Chansey at fullback. Havili coming off the bench has been really good. He's added some spark. He's got a really good work. He runs, he runs very hard. He makes good post-contact metres. <laughs> he's always... He's not the biggest guy, but he's just solid and he yeah, just pumps those legs. He's determined. And, yeah, yeah. No, I like no, him. He's, he, he can't not admire. And um, he is loved in that dressing room. Yeah. They freaking love him and rightly so. Reasons to be cheerful. Part three. One, two, three. There are, of course, reasons to be cheerful. And the reasons to be cheerful this week, there are, there are a number. Firstly, you might have noticed the victory song, the proper victory song is back. That was the sound of the men working on the chain gang. And I think... Ooh, ah, ooh, ah. I think credit where credit's due. You may be the mock, but I think it was because of your um, last segment, What Grinds My Gears. Mm. Obviously, the club heard it, and they changed the song back. The club is listening. They're listening, and they understand a good argument when they hear it, that it's tradition, people. It's tradition, and it's a wonderful tradition. And so kudos to the club for bringing back the proper victory song. The boys were into it, and it was lovely to watch. And that, that's a reasonable, cheerful... Um, another reason to be cheerful is we eked out a win in spite of the errors, in spite of things not always going our way, in spite of having like the two biggest clowns I've ever seen with whistles in their mouth. Did you see the the, the moustache on that one? No. It was ludicrous. It was I like, don't even know if I knew who those refs were. I saw one, the names one's of... come out of England, apparently. Oh, okay. And he was the one who had like a handlebar moustache with waxed ends on it. <laughs> I mean, it was, like, it was like Dick Dastardly sort of stuff. It was like, what the hell is that? Anyway, you didn't know, it, didn't know much about uh, controlling the ruck, but in spite of all of that, we eked out two points. And you know what? Those two points are brilliant at the end of the season. You don't care how you got them, just as long as you got them. And the last reason to be cheerful, I think we've been over this again in an, another segment, um, but John Bateman. He's a reason to be cheerful all by himself. How good is John Bateman? I was telling people before the season, pick him in your super coach sign. They said, oh, he's a little bit expensive. Is he going to earn points? I'm like, pick John Bateman. You will not be disappointed. He's coming second in the Dally M's yeah. on five points. And uh, yeah, so the, the, the John Bateman love fest is all round. Everyone has a man crush on John mm. Bateman. And I think I spotted someone else at the game who has a man crush as well on John Bateman. I know who was that. Former Raiders uh, superstar. Terry Campisi, mm. who you know um, wor- works on the sideline oh, yes, during the home games, he does. Uh, right in front of where I sit. And as the players were coming out for the second half, John Bateman walked by him because he was on that you know the right hand side playing on the right. Walked by, he gave Campo a little sly wink, and Campisi was giggling like a giddy schoolgirl. He absolutely loved it. Yeah, no, and and right, he would look. And Bateman just has this aura. I, I'm I'm yet to talk to him, and apparently I won't understand a word he says when he does. But just being in the tunnel with him the other day before they ran out, there was an aura around that dude. There well, was an after aura they... around that dude that made all of those players two foot taller. Yeah, after they kicked the field goal and they were going back, getting ready for the short kickoff, he was really revving up the team. You can see he's a real leader already mm. amongst the team and mm. just, just his enthusiasm and his passion. Mm. And also he revs up the crowd as well, which is yeah, good yeah. to see. I, I love, I, everyone loves a player like that. I love, look, I, I'm going to make a very bold prediction here. There's going to be two more statues at the ground in, in the next you know decade or so. One's going to be to our, our coach, you know, who deserves one. Ricky Stewart is one of the club's greatest players, one of the greatest players, and you know what came back in our time of need, and is going to take us again to glory. But the other one's going to be John Bateman. You know, he might have you know Josh Hodgson with him as well in that piece of piece of brass. But John Bateman, it'll probably just be the four Englishmen, you know, and it will be the recreation mm. of the Abbey Road picture. Oh, I didn't like that. Didn't like it at all. Didn't like it all. Didn't like it. Look, and here's the thing. George Williams. Do we get him here this season? It'd be great if we could. Yeah. But I still don't think it's going to happen. But I was watching um, some Super League coverage last week. Mm. uh, And Brian Carney, 
formerly of Newcastle Knights, etc., mm. was saying that it's it's a done deal. He's definitely coming to the Raiders, and despite the Canberra Raiders' denials, mm. he said, look, this time last year, the Canberra Raiders were swearing black and blue they hadn't signed John Bateman either, mm. so... They were, they were and they had. Yes. Um, but I, I, I'd like to see, because George Williams can't be happy playing at Wigan at the present moment, and he'd want to see what's happening with his pom mates over in, in Lime Green, and he'd want to join us, and I think, boys, Donny, Ricky, make it happen. Which, make bring, it happen. which sort of... T- Leads on to the question I'm going to pose to you. Have we seen Aiden Caesar play his last match in Lime Green? No, we have not seen Aiden Caesar play his last match in Lime Green. How injured is he actually at the moment? If they say he's injured, he's injured. He has an oblique injury and he has a severe oblique, oblique and, injury. An indefinite oblique injury. I'm not sure how serious it is, but uh, seeing him in the dressing okay, sheds, he wasn't moving around easily. Assuming we win... Against the Cowboys, mm. which is obviously a big assumption, but assuming we do, mm. do you expect to see Aiden Caesar name for the Mounties? If so, no, I don't. Um, if we start seeing Sammy Williams really step up in that role as he did last week, it will become harder and harder for Caesar to come back in because you don't change a winning side. No, and on form, you know, Caesar's had two games this season. Mm. First one was a pass, second one was a very below par performance. Mm. Williams has had one game and he played well. He's he's ahead on form. So, you know, Williams would have to do something pretty bad from this point, I think, for you to want to rush Caesar back in there ahead of him. Yeah, look, there are challenges for Aiden Caesar, and if he's up to it, he'll push his way back into the side. He'll push his way back into the side. And I, for one, want to see the sort of form that helps him push himself back into the side. And that's what Ricky wants. He wants competition for spots. It's good that Sammy Williams has stepped up into that injury hole and, and has proved it because now Aiden Caesar has to prove his worth to get back into the side. Thank you once again for joining the third most popular Raiders uh, podcast uh, coming to you from a secret storeroom somewhere in Civic um, with the qualified support of our great friends at the Greenhouse. Get on there and get engaged. It's great. Um, it's been wonderful. I am the pork. I'm Blake. And you've been listening to Raiders Review.